0: You're listening to The Social Hub Podcast, a place where we give small brands the skills and know-how to master all their social media, digital, and content marketing. I'm your host, Stacey Cranich, mum, champagne drinker, and self-confessed karaoke queen. Join me in a journey of real conversations and meaningful messages that will help you grow in your business and life. So you can have the most epic version of both. If you have a big vision and are ready to shine, then grab a cuppa or a cocktail and listen in. Burnout is a hot topic these days, am I right? And it's something really close to my heart because I've experienced stages of burnout in my life and definitely More than ever before, since I started my business, trying to be a superwoman in life and business is sending many women into crippling burnout and extreme mum guilt, which is just wreaking havoc on our mental health. My guest today is Sarah Taylor, who is a COO of a fast growing education and human transformation company. She's an international speaker and 21 times world bodybuilding champion. I mean, wow. But she is no stranger to burnout, having experienced it herself. While simultaneously working a high profile job, running three active blogs, trying to carve out a side hustle as a photographer and running a digital magazine, her world crashed around her. I mean, how many things can one person do? But Sarah was diagnosed with depression, a crashed hormonal and thyroid system, and so many injuries from overtraining and a double shoulder injury. She had completely burnt out emotionally, physically, and mentally. But she resolved to fix things herself and return to the evidence based lifestyle strategies she'd developed previously. Um, And accidentally got into bodybuilding at age 42 and then 10 weeks later, like 10 weeks, guys, was winning at state level and at her first show before going on to a clean sweep of 11 out of 11 amateur world titles at age 45 and another eight professional world titles plus two more amateur titles as well by age 50. Really, her story is 100% incredible. These days, Sarah delights in being able to tackle the challenge, directing the company that she loves and works for from a hammock in the back deck of her house overlooking the beautiful beaches of the Gold Coast. Which is a far cry from all that experience of burnout and physical and emotional and mental health issues that she has had previously due to that. So, Let's find out from Sarah some really amazing strategies that we talk about in this episode, including how easy it can be to get yourself into a state of burnout, how you can identify it and what you can do to prevent it if you see the signs in yourself. Sarah is a passionate woman about mentoring and educating women on leadership, communication and succeeding in a male dominated industry. This is a really incredible conversation and a really incredible story. So if you want to connect with Sarah after this and com- connect with her more or follow along with her, then you can find all the details to do that on the show notes page for today's episode at all the ws the slash 83 Enjoy the episode. All right, welcome Sarah to today's episode of the podcast. Really excited to delve into this topic with you today because I know that um, burnout is something that a lot of women in business particularly experience or feel that they're on that kind of tra- trajectory sometimes towards um, and it's really powerful to hear other people's stories about how they've, they've experienced it, like what were their insights to that experience and then also how they overcome it and you've got a really incredible story to share with everyone. Today, which I'm really looking forward to you getting into. But first of all, could you please introduce yourself and your business to our listeners today?
1: Hi, um, thank you very much for having me today. I'm so stoked to be on the, on this uh, this podcast, and yeah, look really really looking forward to bringing some excellent value to your listeners. So I'm Sarah Taylor. I'm the COO of a very fast growing um, human transformation education company called conscious education company. And we're based on the beautiful Gold Coast in Burley Waters. And I've been been with the company since February this year. Um, Previously, I was the COO of a startup software company in Melbourne. Um, I moved up from Melbourne uh, to Queensland during the pandemic, did the whole hotel quarantine thing Um, but my previous company this this software startup I literally turned it around in the space of three weeks um, and it subsequently became one of Melbourne's hottest startups.
0: Oh cool there's so many people that did the sea change in COVID. Yeah (laughs) you know and I think you know (laughs) that like in some ways like it's been COVID's been so good for some industries where um, because I used to work in finance and you know that particularly was an industry where everything was done in an office or in a branch and all those things. And now they've realised that, oh, people can do a lot of these jobs from home and it's um, opened up so many more opportunities for people to have a sea change if they want to because they can work from home. I've even got a really good girlfriend who, you know, got a reasonably executive role with a financial institution in Sydney and she lives on the Sunshine Coast. And, you know, 12 months ago,
1: 24 months ago that would never have been a possibility it would have been you have to live in the city to be able to do the job um yeah I mean look, conscious education company most of our team is based in the Philippines so the whole company actually is online yeah which is which is awesome so I I get to work from home I get to sit I get to I get to run a multi-million dollar company from my hammock on the hammock on my back deck overlooking Palm Beach it's just it's just you know it's just spectacular
0: and, hey, you can be in a hammock all year round up here. You don't get to do that in Melbourne. I cool. know. <laughs> you definitely don't get to do that in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. So I think the thing I'd love for us to talk about first is um, really starting with with like your, how you came to, to burnout and we'll talk about that transformation that you went through um, in more detail as we go through the podcast. But I'd really love to know like what like because that's what led you to that transformation was finding yourself in burnout and so many women f- fear it like there's so many women that fear getting there because they know that they've got children and families to look after and what would happen if they everything did unravel and they found themselves in that state so i'd love you to share what led to you getting to that place like what was kind of what was happening for you at that moment
1: okay there's actually i've actually sort of i guess been through A couple of burnouts really the first one was when I was 28 and at the time I guess I I didn't have a very high level of self-awareness and I really didn't realize that I was actually burning out you know I'd been I'd been headhunted from a job by um, to run a major project um, for BMW and you know I I guess I took I hadn't I didn't have any management training didn't have any team leadership training and all of a sudden I was leading a team of seven people and I really wasn't um equipped you know emotionally and mentally I didn't have the emotional intelligence to deal with the situation so not only were we working sort of seven days a week we were working 15 hours a day uh, you know and I had I was driving sort of 2 hours a day to for the commute so I was just I was just literally running on adrenaline and because I wasn't equipped emotionally, I guess, to deal with, um, a team of people, I really didn't understand how to manage them. So I became, I'm actually, I actually trained people now in leadership and how to be a great leader. And, and I used myself as the archetypal horrible boss, you know, I was, I was the archetypal <laughs> micromanager. I really was yeah. a horrible boss. Um, and you know, I was in their face all the time. Have you done it yet? Have you done it yet? And because I didn't, understand what I was going through. I was pushing them as hard as I was pushing myself and I didn't have any boundaries. So there was no off, you know, I was on emails all the time. I was on the phone all the time, just checking up on people all the time. And I literally, that, that particular instance I literally burnt out and I literally took two, I had to take two months off. Um, My family have a cottage up in Yorkshire. So I literally took two months out and I literally, could barely get out of bed for two for two months Mm. I just literally could not face the concept of getting out of bed for about two months and I didn't really understand at the time that I'd gone through burnout Um, and really that sort of episode I felt so burnt out really by just life and in general and where I was I think that was ultimately how I ended up in Australia I was kind of I didn't know what else to do so You know, I was kind of feeling completely squashed by the expectation of the job, expectation of family. You know, why wasn't I married yet? Why didn't I have kids yet? And trying to live up to expectations of society that weren't who I was and what I wanted that I think, you know, I literally ran away to Australia to kind of reinvent myself. So that was a sort of age 29. And I didn't understand at the time that that was burnout. Yeah. And my only answer at that time was just to escape. As far away as possible.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: Literally the other side of the world.
0: And I so relate to that because coming from like nearly a 20-year career in the finance industry, which is relatively corporate, that whole micromanaging thing, like that, just speaks to me on such a deep level because I was in people leadership and I had to micromanage people. I was also micromanaged myself. And the stress of having to keep up with the demands of the how. How micromanaged you were, and how micromanaged you had, how much you had to micromanage other people. It's exhausting. Like it, it was exhausting, so That's exhausting. And yeah. um, and again, like uh, I was, I was quite because I'm 41 now, and I was in my early, my, in my mid 20s when I went into people management, and um, and I, it's so identify with that whole like lack of self awareness mm-hmm. because in that at that age you're just going, oh well, this is what I have to do. And you, you're not aware that of the repercussions of it, mm. but it, it's the learning that comes from it, right? Which is what shapes so, you, you know. And that's right.
1: Yeah, you know. And really, after that, like I say, literally escaping as far <laughs> as I possibly could get away from it. You know, I I felt a release of pressure because I was in Australia. I literally did not know a soul and had one suitcase of everything I owned in the whole world. But I was free. You know, I was free to yeah. kind of reinvent myself and figure out basically who I was. Yeah. Um and but what but it also really really I guess scarred me in a way it's like so I never I always limited myself from that point on I would never step into a leadership position
0: because yeah. I could always
1: remember how you know I didn't want to revert to this this awful person that I became yeah. like say because I didn't have the emotional intelligence I didn't have the self awareness um, and I guess through my thirties, I did a I did a fair amount of personal development. And I became trained. I'm, I'm an NLP trainer um, and coach. Um, I trained in hypno, hypnosis and stuff. And I guess really, it was when I got into bodybuilding. And there's a whole story around how I got into bodybuilding, but the it's only. When I got into the bodybuilding and the rise in my career subsequently, I've been 19 for 25 years now, but the rise in my career to executive level uh, completely mirrors now my rise in the bodybuilding world. And the reason I believe that is because the discipline I've required for my sport um, I'm 21 times world bodybuilding champion. The reason, you know, the discipline I've required to get to that level has totally translated into my business world and my working world. Mm. But when I was sort of 40, going through 40 to 42, sorry, 43, I went through another phase of burnout, mm. Um I got into the bodybuilding and I'd suddenly discovered the sport that I absolutely loved. And at the point I'd been blogging for myself, I blogged my whole physical transformation, my whole weight loss and depression transformation. I blogged that as a way of keeping myself sane, I suppose. And then when I got into bodybuilding, I started blogging about that. And I really hit my stride with the blogs. And all of a sudden, you know, I found that people were following me and commenting on stuff. So then I, I was blogging for two of the bodybuilding organizations as well as running my own blog. And then I went, you know what? I love writing. I love the photography. I was also going to all of the bodybuilding shows, taking photographs. And I got to the point where I had people requesting, I take their photographs. I was so good. I went, you know what? I'm really good at writing and I'm really good at photography. I know let's create a magazine. <laughs> Brilliant idea. <laughs> yeah. Off I go. So I create a bodybuilding magazine for women because there wasn't one and it was all digital. It was all online. And you know, I'm working a full time job, I'm doing the bodybuilding full time. I was also coaching people in the bodybuilding, and now I'm running a magazine because I can never run one, but I can well, run a magazine. Um,
0: and Which what is can, a, it's a pure example of ambition, that's right, you know, like and and because we're you know, we're when you when you work on yourself, you, you unlock that capacity to go, yeah, I can do that. You know, like you, yep. we're aware that we are capable of more than what we thought we were.
1: So it's that ambition part of us coming through. Yeah. Um, the trouble was, I guess, running the magazine, you're always, and, and you you experience this to an extent with the podcasts, you're always having to think ahead. What's coming next month? What's coming the month after that? Who can I have on you? So you're always trying to um, forward guess yourself and then you've got to make sure that you're meeting these deadlines. And I found that the constant trying to meet these deadlines became too much. And again, and I was also doing all of the sales and the marketing and the promotion, which is not not a natural talent for me. And I found that incredibly stressful. So again, I found myself working sort of, you know, 18 hour days, seven days a week on top of, you know, I was probably working a 40 hour week outside of my 40 hour week job. Again, I didn't have any boundaries. And I was so focused on having to get this magazine out that I really didn't, take care of myself so I really neglected myself in this in trying to attain this goal and be seen to be this superwoman I really lost myself in that and again I didn't recognize the the symptoms and I didn't recognize what I was doing and then again literally I absolutely burnt out and just crashed in a heap and again I had to take a couple of months off so I quit quit my job and I literally just (laughs) I don't know just bimbled around Melbourne and did little day tours and stuff because I really physically and mentally and emotionally didn't have the capacity to do anything difficult. So, again, mm-hmm. I burnt myself out again, and this time it was through ambition, not managing people. It was through my own yeah. ambition this time.
0: Yeah. And it's it's interesting you say like that whole superwoman um, kind of alter ego I think that a lot yeah. of us women take on because that's the alter ego that's valued in in like a, you know, modern-day society you know it's it's the the woman who's meant to uh, you know that saying of how you know women are meant to mother our children like we don't have a job but we're meant to do our job like we don't have children you know like we're we're always told to you know suck it up and get things done and that's that's the person that's valued but it's also the person that isn't honoring all the other parts of us that cannot keep up with the um the pressure and the stress and just the the constant action that it requires to to be that person so yeah look hindsight's a beautiful thing and we always say that you know hindsight's amazing but to look back now where you are what do you feel were the main contributors to 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 that
1: well the first thing was I guess lack of self-awareness in the first instance Mm. definitely lack of self-awareness um and I guess lack of emotional intelligence in a leadership role. And then the second time around, it was lack of, um, lack of self-care. Yeah. And now where I am now, again, and this is why I say that um, my rise in the corporate world has actively mirrored my rise in the bodybuilding world is because with the bodybuilding is to, to a large extent, it's actually a very selfish sport you have to put yourself first. Mm. You know, you have to do what, what's taken, what's required. So literally I would, you know, in my calendar, I would block book eating times. I don't need to know when to eat. It yeah. was basically to train everybody else around me that I needed to eat at these times. And I would absolutely refuse to have a meeting at the times I was eating. So I was rigidly enforced boundaries. So essentially I was putting myself first all the time. Mm-hmm. and i guess because i was doing that the other thing i did actually one thing i did when i promised when i came to australia is i promised myself that i would never work um stupid hours again and for a large proportion of i guess the last 20 years i've literally done a nine to five on i'm in at nine o'clock or even 9 30 and i'm out of the door at 501 you know one second that is past five o'clock um so i've rigidly enforced boundaries and that's really helped um but like i say. In in my rise in the bodybuilding world, the discipline, the structures I had to put in place there, essentially made sure I was looking after myself. So yes. even at one point, again, I was doing my own bodybuilding preparation. I was coaching other people to do their own shows, running a full time team, and I was running a whole program of work. In fact, um, you know, and I was doing it effortlessly. I was doing a nine to five, and it all just seemed so effortless because. I guess the main priority is by then I really figured out who I was myself, yes, yeah. but the key was that I was putting myself first because if yeah. you don't put after yourself first, if you don't look after yourself, then you can't look after anybody else around you. No.
0: And it's interesting that both of those times, like the first time that when you're in your 20s and you were burnt out, it was lack of self-awareness. The second time it was lack of self-care. Yes. And you've mentioned boundaries a few times as well. And uh, like those key contributors were that you weren't looking after yourself yeah. in one way or another yes, that exactly. led to that happening. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes it's we can tend to think it's it's a lot of external pressures that lead us to being burnt out. But a lot of the time, most of the time, it's the pressures we're putting on ourselves. Yeah. that And the, the, the reason why, you know, looking back in hindsight, it's not to say... To yourself, oh, you shouldn't have done this or you shouldn't have done that. It's to learn from it and to go, okay, what were those things? What were those triggers? What 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 was it that I did in those moments so that you can learn from it and try and do it differently
1: or better yeah. the next time that you come across that. So yeah. I think and it's also about recognizing, you know, when you're in the situation and you're you're, I guess you're kind of on the road towards burnout, it's recognizing it um, and being able to stop it. Yeah. That's Definitely. that's a very difficult thing to do as well, you know. Again, with with this current role I'm in, it's again it's starting to be kind of, you know, seven days a week. Um, but I'm very very conscious of the fact that my phone has an off button, so you know, at least one day a week, you know, I don't I don't the phone is off, and don't you even think about contacting me because that's yeah. my day off. That's
0: and it's my- such a simple thing, but it's something that you know, people we always say we're so. Um, Bombarded with technology, and we can't get away from the digital world. But you know, you can turn it off.
1: Yeah, but you actually really can turn it off. You really can turn it off. And, and you know, here's the thing: the world is not that really hard. not. Yeah, and the world is actually not going to fall apart without you.
0: No, no, it won't. It actually, isn't. And, you know, like I work a lot in obviously like digital marketing and social media, and I'm always saying that people are like, "Oh, I haven't done this," and I'm like, "The world won't end if you don't post on your Facebook today." It's okay, like okay. nothing's really. You know, it's like okay. yeah. it's going to be okay. You know, yeah. um so I think like, let's, let's start talking about, you know, how, you know, how your life has changed because, you know, you've started talking about your bodybuilding and there's some incredible things that you've achieved there, but that doesn't happen overnight. So, (laughs) and it also doesn't just magically, like, I'm pretty sure you didn't just magically wake up, you know, after you went through that stage of burnout and go, Oh, I'm going to, you know, become a 21 times bodybuilding (laughs) champion. So like, where did where did you start with that, and and what did
1: you do? Like, how did you go from that place to where you were? Well, that started, you know. I, I tell when I look back, on, you know, I guess on my life, I, I kind of tell people that my life really started at forty. Um, you know, at forty, I I was out, newly single out of a ten year relationship, and you know, I needed something to focus on because I really didn't know who I was or where I was going, and I was completely lost and directionless, and. I've always loved high high altitude trekking. So I set a goal to climb the highest mountain in South America, which had always been a goal to do by the time I was 40. And so when I went went to have a gym assessment um, and it came back that I was a beast, I was, I was absolutely mortified because in my head, you know, I've always been active and sporty my whole life. So in my head I was the fit chick. So to be told that I was completely not the fit chick and I was a beast was so um, such a crashing assault on my identity you know, like I say, I literally didn't know who I was and I just needed to become that fit chick again. So I changed my goal to Mount Kilimanjaro and I literally set out and just became the fit chick. So I just got super fit, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Um, I lost 25 kilos in the process without dieting, but then I went through depression on the back of that. Again, I pushed myself so hard that by the time I got on the plane to go to Mount Kilimanjaro, um, I developed bronchitis. I didn't even know it, but I was getting nosebleeds and I was actually had the early stages of bronchitis and I climbed the whole mountain with bronchitis, which is when I got back, the doctor said, just go to bed and don't get out of bed for two weeks. But then I subsequently lacked, lapsed into depression. And ironically, it was kind of, I suppose, the, the health and fitness and focusing so intently on that that had kind of got me into the depression because I, I really neglected all other aspects of my life and just a whole range of things fell apart, literally, you know within the space of about eight weeks um so ironically the thing that had landed me in the depression was the thing that I then focused on was my health and fitness because it was the only thing I could control um and inadvertently I got into even better shape than when I climbed the Mount Kilimanjaro so for my 42nd birthday I rewarded myself with a photo shoot and it was at the photo shoot the photographer said are you doing the show and I was like well no idea what you're talking about. So she said, the bodybuilding show. So I went along to the bodybuilding show, freaked out at all of these ginormous, huge, muscly, chocolate-covered women with fake hair, fake boobs, (laughs) fake nails, fake tan, um, sparkly bikinis and sparkly stripper heels. And I just freaked out. And then went, I wonder... Yeah, I I, talked to my trainer and went, could I... Do you think I could do that? Anyway, he was so so overjoyed. I said, great, we've got 10 weeks to the state title. And I promptly won the state title at my first go on stage. So then I'd found this thing that I fell in love with. Yeah. Um, however, unfortunately, within... An- would you have ever thought that that would have been the thing no. you fell in love with? I mean, with? I was obese at 40. Yes, at yeah. 42, all of a sudden, I'm state bodybuilding champion. I mean, yeah. w- where does that come from?
0: <laughs> and I guess it's just following those breadcrumbs, right? Like you yeah. started by doing something to benefit yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, when you said that you were, you know, obese at 40, it's like, well, I need to get my health in order. And, you yeah. know, particularly as someone who's 41, I'm well aware of how, um, like, how important your health becomes at 40 yeah. because you start to realise I have to look after myself. I can't function if I'm not looking after myself.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and although I was absolutely, you know, when I was getting fit to climb them I was absolutely brutal on myself I was training three hours a day it was absolutely brutal on myself um because I was so angry at myself again so I wasn't although I did get incredibly fit and healthy again it it wasn't coming from a healthy space because I was I was absolutely mad at myself I was angry um so I had to go through all of that my body fell apart completely physically when I was 43 um so double shoulder surgery a whole year of rehab (laughs) You know, and that's when I got into the, the the blogging and the photography, and that's where the magazine came came from. Because, um, you know, I wanted to stay stay connected with my sport, and somebody said, if you can't do your sport, become a student of your sport. So that's what I did. That's where the magazine came from. And again, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm very very type A. So it, when I'm when I'm all in on something, I'm all in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> literally all in. So, so you know, so I guess it was a very tumultuous. Time, you know, sort of 40 to 43 was very tumultuous. There's a lot going on. Um, But out of it, like I say, came this thing that I really fell in love with and has really subsequently helped me learn who I am Mm. and become a lot, I guess, a lot more grounded and a lot more patient. um, Obviously, a lot more disciplined and just a lot more relaxed about things, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you said that, you know, going through that whole process, it forced you to look after yourself and to set yeah. boundaries and be like, "Well, yeah. oh, no, I have to eat at this time and, yeah.
1: you know, I have to do certain things at this time and prioritise yourself. Yeah. And then once I started doing those, you, you also have to, that's the thing, you can put a boundary in place but then you have to enforce it and I think yes. that's, <laughs> where a lot, that's where a lot of women I think struggle is is the saying no and enforcing those boundaries that's where I think a lot of people struggle with um and very good examples this one one job I had there was a lady there and she literally you know she was literally in work at seven o'clock every day and um didn't wouldn't leave till about seven o'clock you know I could recognize old me in her yeah and she she just came up to me after about six weeks when I'd be there she says Sarah how do you do things so effortlessly and I was like well this is what I do you know I set I set these times in my calendar and I make sure that I do those things at those times. And if it doesn't suit me, I push back. And I actually got her to book half an hour lunch in her calendar. And I said, book half an hour lunch in your calendar because she wasn't even doing that. She'd sit at a desk and eat lunch, which a lot of us do. But I got her to book half an hour lunchtime in her calendar and then not be at her desk. Just, not be, just don't be at your desk. You don't care where you are, just do not be at your desk. Um, and within four weeks, she'd lost six kilos. Wow. Just not from doing anything, just from the lack of stress or the decrease in the stress. It's incredible how much stress
0: um, impacts our body in a physical way. Yeah. Not just an emotional or mental yeah. way. It, it impacts our body in such a physical way. Yeah, it, it totally does, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what are the things that you would say um, would like, the key things that you learnt that you would attribute to your success because I mean not everyone most people probably aren't going to go from chilling burnt out to then go and be a you know bodybuilding champion <laughs> like that's just obviously that's that's the thing that you yeah. fell in love with that yeah. helped you um take care of yourself in a way um yeah. you know someone else might fall in love with pottery or they might fall in love with walking every day or learning how to surf or yeah. whatever it is right and it's going to be different for every person but and so it's it's more the things that you learn I think in that process that you would attribute to your
1: success so what do you think those things were for you um responsibility is is, is very key um, in all of in all of those sort of examples I pulled myself out of all of them like the depression i pulled myself out of it the um, the obesity I pulled myself out of it it's because I took responsibility for where I was Um you know, the actions I'd been doing at that point had put me in that place. So, therefore, if I didn't want to be in that place, then I could choose different actions. So, I took responsibility yeah. for, for being where I was at. Um, and I really held myself accountable. So, accountability is very key. Um, like I say, putting myself first, um, my whole transformation from the obesity, the thing there was I, I prioritised my health. My health became my number one priority. And... It it, it still is. It always is. You know, I put my health as my number one priority. And there's a number of things that I do to ensure that, of course, I eat well. Um, Of course, I take, you know, I take time out for me. You know, I meditate daily. I do, you know, I'll walk on the beach when I can. You know, even if I'm, you know, I've got an incredibly busy day at work and I've got deadlines piling up, stuff like that. I'll make a point of just going for a 15 minute walk, you know, um, just to clear my head, yeah. You know, I'll always make sure, like I say, I'll I will never let my eating lapse. I'll never resort to junk food or anything like that because it's it's when you take your time away from the situation you're in that you can often find that the solution comes. So self care is very critical. So responsibility, accountability, and self care, putting boundaries in place, but enforcing those boundaries. So that's really it. And actually, and really learning, like I say, it's it's been a journey you know, but I really had to learn who I was. Yeah. Um. And now that I'm leading teams, I really had to learn what my style of leadership was. Um, And my style of leadership is what's known as servant leadership. So basically, what I do is I, I lead from the ground up. So I lead through people. So their success is my success. Yeah. Okay. So I essentially set the direction and then trust them to deliver what we need to deliver. So I I basically lead by empowering my people. And it's called servant leadership. And that's, to me, that's very, very, it's very grounding. It's very humbling. Um, And it helps keep me super grounded as well.
0: In terms of the boundaries, there's a couple of questions I want to ask you. In terms of the boundaries and enforcing your boundaries, I think that that is definitely something people struggle with the most. Like, is enforcing the boundaries. Yeah how how did you how did you do that? Like, what are some of the things that you did to ensure that you enforce those boundaries? Because I know I've done it before. Plenty of other women have done it before, and I'm sure you've done it before too. Where you go, this is my boundary, and then all of a sudden someone wants something from you, and you go,
1: "Oh, okay, I'll just do it." Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I guess. <sighs> Certainly the, the nine to five thing kind of came about organically. When I came to Australia, literally, like I say, I was, I was probably just running away. And I promised myself that, first thing, I would never live more than 25 minutes commute away from where I worked, either by public transport or bike. Um, and, I, you know, in 20, 22 years in Melbourne, I never needed a car you know, because because I was at that, at that point, I was driving three hours a day for commuting. So that just chews up your day. And when you're commuting for such a long time, and of course, this is not, not a possible for everybody, um, you know, commuting to me was was just eating away at my life. So I promised myself that I would, I would never live too far away from where I worked. And that was a boundary that I enforced. Um, then other things came about kind of organically. Um, one thing I do is, you know, I booked, once I started, once I figured out that you know, I could book times for my eating and just be in the kitchen. I'd talk to people about work, that's okay, but I just wasn't at my desk. And once i once I saw that people actually didn't get upset about that, I was like, oh, okay, well, that's really good. What else can I do? So then I started booking times to do my emails. So it's like I do my emails between these times. And you know, I wouldn't I would only look at my emails between those times. In fact, the four-hour work week by uh, Tim Ferriss, that's exactly where I stole that one from. You know, so I had email times. And then I'd try and limit my time on social media as well, you know, because that's a huge, huge waste of time. But emails are an absolute chronic time waster. Yes. You know, because we get these little notifications popping up and you just go all oh, like that. Every time you you look away at your task the task in hand it takes you about 20 minutes to readjust to it oh totally 100 so, so there was also another technique i learned called critical focus time and this is this i i i used this when i was blogging really particularly if i had a big article i wanted to write i would set the timer for uh, i'd set a timer for say 20 to 25 minutes and i would literally just focus on that one thing for 20 to 25 minutes then the timer would go off And then I'd go and do something else for five minutes. It could be look at social media and usually get a cup of tea. And then I'd go and do another 20 minutes with the timer set. So when you do this critical focus time, it's incredibly powerful because you're just focused on one thing.
0: Yeah, which is kind of like the Pomodoro technique that a lot of business owners would use as well, yeah.
1: That's right. And, And you can actually get an incredible amount of stuff done when you focus on just one thing. Yeah, definitely. So, so those those are just a couple of techniques that I sort of put in place. Specific times for emails, specific times for eating, not at my desk. Um, and it's quite, you know, if somebody sets a meeting for you that's 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 a time that doesn't work for you, because it's all kind of remote. You just go, no, here's another time. Yeah, you know that that's an easy way of pushing back. It's like, yeah. oh, that doesn't work for me. Yeah. Set set a different time.
0: Yeah. And I think like the, the cool thing is like you know, you said you started with you with the food times that you're gonna eat, right? And that was important to you because you'd committed to this new healthy lifestyle and you're doing yep. bodybuilding and everything. And sometimes with when it comes to changing or, or setting new boundaries, it's like start with the easiest one to enforce first. And then you build that muscle, I think, of how to enforce a boundary. Yep. And the more you do that, the easier it becomes to translate yep. that over into other areas of your life where maybe it is a little bit more difficult I think sometimes people will try to go for the big things first and yeah. you know and it's that's hard to do you know or they're trying to right. enforce really big boundaries maybe in a personal relationship or with your husband or with a friend or something like that that's hard because you've got yeah. lots of emotions wrapped up in that whereas you know a simple boundary like I'm going to eat it this time every day because I have to that's easy that's a bit easier because yeah. there's You know, there's a goal in place there. It's it's just a meal
1: time, you know, and then you can start to translate that over into other areas. Yeah, you know, there's. You may have heard the phrase, you know, let's not try and boil the ocean. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's what I think, you know, a lot of people, when they're trying to make a change in their life, they, they change everything at once. Yes, yeah. Now, when I'm coaching people, particularly for, you know, I do sort of weight loss coaching on the side, and the, the style that I use there, it, I don't follow a particular methodology. I'm completely agnostic to methodology. But what I teach is what's known as habit based, um, habit-based lifestyles. So you literally do, you find something that's really simple to change, and you change that one thing. Until that becomes a new healthier habit, yeah. And once you start, like you say, it's, it's, it's pick the low hanging fruit, yeah. And once you start, once you've once you've started with the, the low hanging fruit, and you've changed that and got that bit working, then you find something else that you want to to work on, and you change that, and you until you keep going with that until that bit's working. So you gradually, you know, it's it's an iterative approach. So you just change one thing, get it working. Change another, get it working. Change another, get it working. You don't change everything all in one go because then that's when it becomes, that's when it becomes overwhelming. Yeah. And it tends to, um, you tend to revert, you know, lapse. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's too much all at once. It's too much all at once. yeah. Yeah. So just find one simple thing and it could be as much, you know, it could be, okay, I'm going to meditate for five minutes every day. I'm going to set my alarm for yeah. five minutes. Don't start and trying going. to meditate
0: for 45 minutes. You start with five. <laughs> just start with five.
1: Yeah. It could be going for a 15 minute walk after lunch every day. If you're trying to get in more exercise, go yeah. for a 15 minute walk after lunch every day. Or even just do five minutes to start with. You know, Yeah. like I say, keep keep it manageable. Yeah. Incre- incremental upgrades are increasing. Yeah. Incre- incremental change at yeah. a manageable rate. Yeah.
0: and And I think that's so practical. You know, I think that it's, you know it's all well and good to to talk about you know how transformative change is and how important it is and all these all the big benefits and the big picture thinking but in in actual implementing it it's it we need the little practical
1: steps to actually implement those things yeah sorry I mean it's unfortunately it's not sexy it's not like your your Mm -hmm. your uh, six-pack abs in seven days kind of thing it's not the trouble is it's not sexy (laughs)
0: But it's practical, I think, you know. It is no, practical
1: and it yeah. does work, but it's just not sexy. Obviously. The outcome
0: is, though.
1: The outcome is, yes. The outcome very sexy. <laughs> but, you know, but I guess because we tend, because we, I guess where society is right now, it's like we just want everything yesterday. Um, yes,
0: definitely. It,
1: <laughs> it's not sexy, yeah. but it works.
0: It does. And the other thing that you said as well
1: was, like, leaning
0: into, like, your natural coaching style and, you know, how good that was for you and yeah um you know I think for women it's so important that we lean into what we're naturally good at you know just as human beings in general but you know for us women we try to wear so many hats particularly the us women that have children and have have to wear different hats every day because we fill a number of different roles yeah that um you know we don't have to be good at everything and leaning into our natural energetic way of doing things. And there's so many ways that we can do that. You know, we can lean into our feminine cycle. We can lean into, you know, so many different ways to to manage our energy um, mm-hmm. and use that energy to do the things that we need to do in the best way possible. And I think that's, that's super important. So I loved that you, yeah. that was a big thing that helped you as well.
1: You know, and one of the other things, I guess, you know, when I was sort of really focusing and putting my health as number one, you know, I'm a natural morning person um yeah me too so in the summer i'm you know in the summer i'm up as soon as it's it's daylight so that could be four o'clock in the morning which is great i love being up at that time in the morning the world is just such a beautiful place at that time in the morning the, the energy and the light is just magic um constant but you know subsequently you know i'm not a night owl so i might be in bed by half past eight yeah i'm totally okay with that that's my natural body clock and yeah. when you work with your body clock you're you're energy is much more sustainable as well
0: yeah oh i'm always saying that i'm such a huge believer of it and you know that's why you know people it's like you know i've read the book the miracle morning i love it but i'm a morning person right Mm. it was like it was like yeah of course i've known this my whole life like of course the morning is the best time to be awake one of my best friends is not a morning person and we go for a walk together once a week and you know i'm standing there going oh morning's just the best time it's so good walking by the beach and i'm I'm just like so excited to be out walking in nature at six o'clock in the morning <laughs> and she's like yeah it's awesome once you get going like i get you know it takes her a little bit
1: longer to get up to she's my probably level like just me to the coffee place <laughs>
0: <laughs> but no by the end of it like she she's had, we've had a great chat and we've had a really good time but yeah it, it, i'm so naturally in that state first thing um, whereas I'm not night, a night owl either. And if someone, if I had to do like a Zoom call at night time, I'm always saying to people, you are not getting the best of me at night because yeah. I just cannot do, I can't function. My brain can't function. I'm done. <laughs> I'm ready for a
1: cup of tea and go to bed. And look, and this, you know, this I think this is where COVID potentially has been a blessing because with all of us, you know, formerly we used to work in an office and, and office times really don't suit many people. You know, nine to five is just not a convenient way of working. Um so I think with COVID and people working from home a lot more, I think a lot of people may have found that they probably work, you know, what their more natural working hours are. So they might find yeah, that they're definitely. super productive between 10 and 3 and then between sort of 3 and 5, you know, just forget it. They can just just need a nana nap or something like that. But between 7 and 9, again, they're super productive. Yeah. Now, if you're working from home and you've got that flexibility, then um, use it.
0: That usually often means people can work less too because you're working yeah. at the most productive times. And that's right. There's so, so many you know, benefits
1: to doing that. That's right. And as, as most companies, this and this is what I found, it's like pretty much when I was like you know, rigidly enforcing my 9 to 5, which kind of crept into sort of half past 9 in the morning but still leaving at 5 o'clock. What I found is that most people, as long as you get your work done, most people don't really care. Mm-hmm.
0: Particularly these days since COVID yeah. too. It's like, okay, no, this is the task just get it done. Get the task done. Yeah, Yeah. for sure.
1: Yeah. So So I I think, I think COVID to an extent has been fairly beneficial to a lot of people, you know, with the working from home because it's allowed people to, to an extent, set their own hours that do work better for them.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I think, you know, for anyone in business, you make your own diary. Like if you run your own business, you can organize your own diary. Yeah. It was 100% within your power to do that. And you you should you know so that yep. you're working
1: at times that are optimal to you yeah and and with with conscious education company where i work at the moment um you know most of us we just seem to be we seem to sort of most of us be up and about and working between about of so 7 a.m to to midday and then in the afternoons we just take the afternoons off kind of thing yeah which, which is off you know you know people go for facials or nails or get their hair done or go for a massage or whatever like that a float and we just do that in the afternoon just because it's we are so super focused in the morning that we get everything yeah. done pretty much in the morning um, and then you've got
0: time for a bit of self care and the things, things you need self-care. to do yeah, yeah. which is in awesome. Fact, in
1: fact i i had a i did have a bit of a, a bit of a moment the other week and they actually sent me for a float <laughs> <laughs> So so, I went went for a float with the, with the boss's wife. and We took the afternoon off. Awesome! I love that. You know, <laughs> as, so as a company, we're we're very big on self care. Yeah, it's so important. So, mm.
0: you know, if anyone out there listening today is like feeling where you were all those years ago, what would you say to them?
1: What would be your key message? Oh gosh! Um, well, the first thing is to actually recognize it recognize that you're kind of on this this treadmill and you're just you're running to stand still in a way you've got to recognize that to start with I mean I didn't and I literally got to the point where I couldn't get out of bed so once you recognize it and then you really need to probably just find a way of taking yourself out of the situation whether it means taking a couple of days annual leave just to I don't know book an airbnb by the beach or I don't know, have somebody look after the kids so that you can have an afternoon or a day to yourself where you can really sit and reflect. You need to be able to get to a a space where you can just defry and reflect on what it is that's working in your life, what's not working and what you can do to, um, I guess, make things work for you. So those are really the three questions, what's working, what's not working and what can be improved. Hmm. and I you think you need to be in a space where yeah. you, you don't have any pressure around you all the tasks are taken care of the kids are taken care of the cats taken care of what, whatever you know yeah. you need to be out of your normal situation but you need to recognize that you're on this kind of um this treadmill at the moment
0: yeah definitely and and two, like it's like recognizing it but also allowing yourself to acknowledge it yeah because we're we're taught to push that down and that you know, burnout or needing time out is a sign of weakness sometimes. Like that's what society tells us all the time is that, you know, asking for help and doing those things is the sign that you can't do it all yourself. Yeah. In actual fact, that's so the furthest thing from the truth, but giving yourself the permission to acknowledge it and go, I need help. And the first part of me getting that help is to figure out
1: what that looks like for me. Yeah, yeah, look, I'm, I'm, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners get this all the time. That you know, they probably get told, "Oh, you're so strong. You're the strongest person I know." I mean, I'm you're the told strongest it all person. the time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm the strongest person I know. But I went through depression, and the way to get out of it is, like I say, I used my fitness to get out of it. But I, I recognised I needed help, and that's why I hired a personal trainer. I needed to outsource the thinking. And that one hour a week, where I had the trainer do the thinking for me, you have no idea the relief I felt. You know, I just turned up and did. Somebody else took control, and that one hour is what allowed me the space to really sort of sort through what was going on with me, and then start to come up with a plan out of it. But I had I had to ask for help, and 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 I get this as a strong person. It's the hardest thing in the world to ask mm-hmm. for help because, like you say, you do feel it's it's a sign of weakness. But it actually, it really is a sign of strength. Yeah, if you can oh. recognize that you need that help. Reaching out, as hard as it is, is actually a sign of strength.
0: Yeah, what's that whole thing? You know they, that you know Brene Brown talks about vulnerability a lot, and that yeah. you know to be vulnerable is actually to be courageous. Yeah, you know that in that in that vulnerability is is there's strength in
1: that. That's right. You know. And look, this is when I was blogging. You know, this is this is the thing that I found is like I literally if I had a meltdown, I literally wrote the meltdown. And that's when I found that I got the biggest the hits and the most comments because I'd get people going, oh, thank God you wrote that, Sarah. I thought I was the only one going through it. I thought I was going mad. Yeah. You know, we, we get we get into this kind of hole and we get so isolated and we think that we're the only one going through it when actually we're not Um, because we're all striving to be the perfect person that's what a lot of it boils down to we're all striving to be the perfect
0: person we're looking at instagram feeds of someone else and and can and assume that they're doing that their life is perfect and they're coping with things perfectly and usually they're not like 100%
1: not and but there's no such thing as the perfect person (laughs) absolutely the 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 perfect person is you Mm. that's it in your own natural
0: state doing the best you that's right
1: (laughs) you do you let everybody else do them yeah. OK. Um, but you're absolutely right. And, and you know, it's in that vulnerability that true strength lies. Yeah, definitely. Um, show people that you are and people respond to you just being just being real. Yeah. That's what I found is that people respond to you just being real. You know, I'm not afraid, I guess, to an extent in the bodybuilding world. I'm a, a sort of kind of public figure. I have no qualms about failing publicly. You know, I use my stories and my failings publicly to to help other people who are going through a similar thing. You know, so I, like I say, I'm, I'm not afraid of being vulnerable in public. Yeah. You know, I still have a hard time reaching out for help when I actually need it. <laughs> but, you know, as, as a way of, I guess, providing less to other people, you know, I'm totally happy to fail in public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, it you've is. You've got a, to be. You've got to be okay with it. That yeah. that is a learning experience in its own right.
0: Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. It takes yeah. takes a lot to be able to to put yourself out there and be prepared yeah. for that to happen on a public stage, for sure.
1: Yeah. Look, it you has been. Mean, you, you've just got to be okay with
0: with you. Yeah. Yes, yeah, definitely. It has been so good talking to you today, and and working through this. <laughs> and I know that that so many people are going to get so much out of it. I hope so um, because it's a it's a real conversation. Yes. It's talking about real things that have happened to real people, um, and that it's the it's the learning that you you experience from from those moments, which is what shapes you and what yeah. gives you the biggest aha moments. It's
1: it,
0: your own life experience is what is what can, is your best teacher a lot of the time if yeah. if you if you have the ability to to unpack it in that way so I just I know that so many people are going to love it so lastly
1: just uh, sorry just I just say it's like a lot you've actually just hit the nail on the head there it's like you've got to be don't be afraid of unpacking it Mm. and looking at these a lot of people are can be afraid of I guess facing what's going on don't be afraid of it because that's where the lessons are yeah
0: it's um it's just sometimes scary to unpack yourself.
1: It is, it is, it is scary. <laughs> because, I mean, we have to oh look at God. parts
0: of ourselves we don't necessarily like all the time.
1: Yeah. I mean, I had to face that, you know, like I said, the first time I burned out, it's like I really did not like who I was and it probably took me yeah. about 20 years to get over that, And you know, but it was, it was through that journey that I've really sort of accepted who I am, you know, so I'm very comfortable with who I am now. I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses, um, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: So where can we find you on the internet? If anyone wants to look you up and connect with you, where's the best place to find you? All
1: right, probably LinkedIn. So on LinkedIn, I'm Sarah Taylor, COO. Awesome.
0: Yeah. And all the links to connect with you will be on the show notes page for today's episode that I mentioned in my intro. So thank you so much, Sarah, for your time today. And, um, yeah, can't wait to hear everyone's response to all the value
1: that you've given us today. So thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you very much once again for having me. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. My pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening to the Social Hub podcast. You can find the show notes for today's episode over at all the W's, Socialhubau.com forward slash podcast. And if you want to join me in my community and continue the conversation, jump over to Facebook and join the Social Media 101 Facebook group. Until then, stay classy.